Hello everyone. Welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I am your host, Lauren Coletti. Thank you for joining me today. I need to proceed by warning you, trigger warning ahead, if you are not in the mood to listen to some deep, heavy shit, uh, skip ahead about five to ten minutes because this is going to get hella real, hella fast, and super personal, and today has just been a heavy AF day, if I'm being real. So skip ahead a few minutes because uh, you might get triggered, potentially. I will be talking about childhood sexual abuse and domestic violence because I have to get this off my chest sometimes. I get so excited to record these podcasts because I really don't have many people that I call close friends or quote unquote friends that I trust. So my audience is really, you guys are like my best friends and the show is growing. I've had some really interesting people ask about collaborating and um, being on the show. So I'm super excited to bring that to you in the next few weeks. If you would like to be a guest on the show and share your story and just help people, no matter your message, you can check out my website, link it in the show notes and shoot me an email to inquire about being a guest on the show. Also, I am waiting for a phone call. I'm hoping that the person will not call me back within the next 30 minutes, but that's how life always works. You're doing nothing. No one gets in contact with you. The second you have something important to do or somewhere to go, everyone needs your attention. So I'm going to keep my phone on vibrate. I usually put it on airplane mode when I record. So if there's a mid cut episode, uh, just be prepared. Okay, let's get into it. So I'm dealing with some stuff today. I recently started EMDR, as many of you know. I have a long history of interpersonal trauma, which I won't go into on this episode, but if you want to hear about it, check out my past episodes. We are sex and spirituality, by the way, so obviously this is a deep show about vulnerable things. So I started EMDR, I want to say about a month ago, and, you know, first few weeks I didn't feel any changes. I've dabbled in it before. I've always wanted to do it. And then this week, it's like a tornado struck my psyche. I was meditating a couple days ago and I started having these flashbacks of these memories that I don't want to say they were repressed because I definitely could recall them consciously, but I haven't thought about them or remembered them in a really long time. And mid-meditation, while I was feeling zen and calm, these memories just struck me. And they were overwhelming, they were troubling and disturbing, and that was that. I kind of moved through it, I tapped through it with the strategies that my therapist had given me, and I got along with my day after crying (laughs) and breathing through it, like I always encourage y'all to do. Then over the next couple of days, I started having these dreams about a particular family member who who um, I always felt very uncomfortable around. I always felt unsafe around. He used to make comments at my body and he used to look at me and talk to me in a very sexual way. And I was a child. I always felt exploited by this person and my parents never really wanted to hear it. I'm not going to name the family member, obviously, but 
I started having dreams of this family member who I always questioned if there was more to that story than what I was remembering. And today during EMDR, I just figured I'd mention my dreams to my therapist and my body became fucking flooded with this repressed emotion and I started hysterically crying, like uncontrollably sobbing about what had occurred with this family member. And maybe I'll get into it on a later episode, but it left me feeling kind of shook. And I've always had the symptoms of someone who had experienced childhood sexual abuse, but here I was living my life up until now and I couldn't remember anything. So I was like, all right, I'm just making it up. Everyone tells me I'm too sensitive anyway. But now it's coming to the forefront of my mind that something potentially happened that caused all of my mental health crises and diagnoses at such an early age. I started self-harming at 13 years old. Couldn't really tell you why. I mean, my dad was sick, but I was suicidal by 14. Had an eating disorder at 12. So there's more to that story that I'm going to continue to unpack and I'm going to try to do it safely and with precaution and not (laughs) like destroy myself in the process. But there's that and I'm just trying to hold space for that and kind of grieve that and accept it and examine and explore it even more so that I can better understand myself because I want to heal. And sometimes there's subconscious roadblocks that we hold in our body from healing and we don't, we can't comprehend them. But the only way to move through it is to feel, feel it and dig into it, not push it aside. So there's that. And today, moments ago, I was listening to a podcast with Dawn Sarah, Sex Gets Real. I'm a huge fan. Dawn, please have me on your show. Please come on the show. And it was a podcast episode conversation around uh, abuse and reporting. And I reported my sexual assault at 18, maybe a year ago. I called the college and I was like, look, this is what happened. I just want it on the record. I don't want to take any legal action. Just write it down for your statistics because every college or university should have sexual assault statistics. So I reported it, felt great about it. Only like five more to go, right? (laughs) But my abuser from 2015 to 2017, you know who you are. I, after my EMDR sesh and listening to this podcast episode, I decided to call the domestic violence shelter that I used to go to during this relationship for support therapy and individual therapy, I called and I said, Hey, this is Lauren Coletti. I'm calling because I want to report a domestic violence sexual assault because my ex had raped me on multiple accounts (laughs) in addition to the physical and emotional violence. But that's another story for another day. And I said, is there any way to report this just so it's on this person's police record? I do not want to take them to court. I don't want to sue them. And they basically said that in the state of New York, you have X amount of years to report an assault. I'm coming up on the expiration date for that in a couple months. So I'd have to make a final decision like now. 
if I did want to move forward. And they said, due to the nature of the crime, if we take your report and write this down, we will have to immediately and mandatory arrest this said perpetrator. And the thing is, that kind of puts me at a roadblock because I don't want to see this person again. I think it'd be a lot healthier for me to be stabbed to death than to ever have to face this person, especially in circumstances like that, um, like court. I don't want to take legal action. I don't want this person's money. I don't want to ruin their life. And sometimes I ask myself why. But for some weird reason, I don't want this person to hate me. And I think that needs to be analyzed in itself. But I feel this duty and this accountability and this responsibility to other women for when my ex abuses again. It's not a matter of if, because he is a perpetrator. He has a felony on his record already or a misdemeanor or some shit. So when he harms someone else, when he violates and hurts another woman or individual, I feel so guilty that I didn't come forward. And don't get me wrong, I'm not victim shaming or blaming. It's always someone's choice. It's always a survivor's choice of what they want to do. But I don't want to get re-traumatized again. But I feel this duty to protect other people that this person could potentially harm. So I'm kind of at a standstill. And I feel kind of at a loss. So I don't know what to do. And it's heavy and I'm trying to sit with it and hold it and just have patience and empathy for myself. If anyone else has experienced something similar, please feel free to share with me. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to hear from you how you dealt with that because it's a lot to hold. It's pretty fucking heavy. So I don't know. I just wanted to get that off my chest because it's weighing on me a little bit right now. And I want to do the right thing. Not just the right thing by me, but the right thing by mankind and for humanity. And I think I am doing the right thing by sharing my story, by speaking my truth and using my voice to help people via the podcast and my books. But I think there's always more we could do. But maybe this has to be enough for right now. All right. Can we get into the episode for today now? I think so. Let's jump into it. Welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I'm your host, Lauren Cluddy. Thank you for joining me again today. Happy Sunday. Hope everyone's having a good weekend. It's sunny out here in New York, so I'm pleased. Currently, I start work tomorrow. Kind of nervous, kind of excited, kind of neutral. And funny story, actually not funny whatsoever, but I'm recording on my new laptop that my beloved boo got me for my birthday because I recorded a 40 minute episode on Friday for y'all. And then it got deleted on my old laptop. It didn't save it. My computer froze. I tried exiting out of something that I thought was stalling it and it ended up clicking X on my recording device and nothing was saved. The only thing that was saved was the intro which is 10 minutes 
um, (laughs) from the other day, but the actual episode did not save. So basically what I was talking about on that episode, I don't think I'll re-record the whole thing. It was about why you should stop hating your ex. And I never want to come from a place of know-it-all or righteousness or superiority But I just propose that perhaps hating not just your ex, right? Anyone that hurt you is doing more harm than good. It's damaging. And whether it's an ex-husband, ex-wife, ex-lover, ex-mother-in-law, ex-fill-in-the-blank, we all have people that have hurt us. And some people have more than others. And though your relationship with said person or lack of is unique and differs from every person it all it all (laughs) what's the word it all results bear with me it's nine o'clock in the morning not even it all results in a deep suffering from the pain of that relationship and the way it quote-unquote didn't work out so whether a relationship ended 20 years ago or 20 days ago the agony, especially by a breakup, especially if you were betrayed or traumatized or abused, can create a deep wound. And harboring hate for someone stems from pain and fear and can keep us feeling bitter and angry and emotionally stuck. And we might even have a built up wall around our heart that blocks us from experiencing true intimacy with others. But letting our negative feelings fester and turning towards hate can be tempting because anger is an easier emotion for many people to handle than hurt. And no matter what breaking up, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship is rarely ever easy. And all the different emotions that we deal with after the fact are confusing. So if you hate your ex, I don't know the situation. I'm just speaking from my personal experience as always. Know one that you're not alone. And though it's important that you also know that until you release that, your heart will never heal. Holding on to hate, as the Buddha said, his famous quote, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I don't know if it's Buddha or I heard it was Nelson Mandela. I have no clue, but we all know that quote. And the hate causes us so much more suffering to ourselves than it does to said person. When we hold on to bitterness or resentment in our heart for someone, we give them our time and attention. We are elevating their status and gifting them prime real estate in our mind. So from a therapeutic standpoint, you also most likely have unfinished business with them. When an emotional injury, which takes a lot longer to heal than physical injuries typically, or any painful situation is not processed properly or honored appropriately, it continues to draw your life force chi. It blocks all your chakras, speaking from a spiritual standpoint. We cannot manifest our heart's desires because we are on such a low vibration. And I want to remind you that you deserve healthy and happy love. And until we 
I don't want to say the word forgive because that's a personal choice. We are not um, expected or we never have to feel like we have to forgive someone, right? But until we surrender it at the very least and let go for what has been done and we take responsibility for our part of the relationship, even if your only part was not ending it sooner, it may be very difficult to create more love in our lives. Now, this does not apply if you have been sexually assaulted or raped because that's never on us, but I'm talking about a mutual relationship. And every relationship is compromised of good and bad. And in order to see how it actually was, to take an objective standpoint and view it through a not rose-colored lens, we have to get clear and release the way we think it was or the way we thought it was supposed to be. Because often what hurts us the most is our expectation in our mind or the way that we thought it was supposed to go, right? But we have to acknowledge both sides. If we're still holding on to hate or even a tiny bit of ill feelings towards anyone for that matter, I would encourage you to make a list. And in the list, I want you to create two columns, one where you will list all of the bad and hurtful parts of your past relationship and another where you focus solely on what you learned from it, how you how you grew as a person. If you're holding on to current resentments in your relationship now, you can use this to release that as well. If you have a partner that you're dating or married to that you need to forgive. And this list, I found it extraordinarily helpful. It can help us open our heart and our mind and hopefully will bring us to a place where the love that we once shared with this person overrides the hate. Because from a Buddhist perspective, from a yogic philosophy, when we talk about ahimsa, non-harm, non-violence, when we wish violence or harm or seek revenge on someone else, we're really doing the same to ourselves since we are all interconnected, we are all one, and we are all whole. We all, all different parts of us, think of every human as a puzzle piece. We all make up the entire puzzle. And the way we see others is just a reflection and a projection of how we're feeling about ourselves. So when we don't wish love or metta, loving kindness on someone else, we are in turn turning that bitterness inward towards ourselves. Sorry, I'm trying to articulate these words carefully. I normally have my script written down for my episodes, but I didn't feel like writing an entire another script for this. So I'm just speaking off the top of my head. And this is going to be a very condensed short version because we're getting into the nuts and bolts of today, which is over apologizing, my ladies. Stay tuned because ugh, as a female and as girls, we have been conditioned to do this. But anyway, I digress. As always, it's important to remind yourself that forgiveness does not mean condoning. What they did might have been terrible. Speaking from my own experience, forgiveness simply means you are not going to carry the weight of the terrible thing in your heart any longer. And forgiveness is for you. So remember that forgiveness 
is a process. So if you don't feel completely, if you don't feel fully free of hate after writing our lists, that's okay. That's normal, dude. I am there. Forgiveness, letting go, releasing, whatever you want to call it, surrendering, giving it to God. It's all a process and you have to be patient. It is a daily practice. I've been doing this for five years now. And some days I feel like I'm getting closer. Other days I'm 20 steps behind. And then once we've forgiven and released someone, we can forgive and release someone else. There's like endless people, right? Especially if we have a history of trauma throughout our lives. So as you continue to focus not only on what was bad, but also on how you became more expansive and more of who you stepped into more of who you were supposed to be more fully, your heart and mind will continue to feel lighter. I feel lighter. I feel lighter than I did three years ago. I feel lighter than I did mm, two years ago. Like it's all a work in progress. It's not linear. Healing is never, (laughs) healing is never one and done. And one day we might notice it's been about a week or a month since we thought about so-and-so and then a year and then our ex becomes someone that we used to simply know. I think the opposite of hate, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Could be butchering that quote, but it goes something like that. Imagine not having a single ounce of any emotionally charged feeling towards this person whose mere existence once caused us so much fucking horribleness. That's not even a word. If that's not freedom, then I don't know what it is. Just set ourselves free. And I would love to hear from you. Share with me maybe one way we became better from a past relationship, particularly the one with whom we are mostly unresolved. And I know this might be difficult, but I promise you that focusing on how you became stronger, how you came to know your life's purpose can only help you free from the that you might carry because if we continue to hold hurt and hate in our heart I mean what good does that do us there's always more healing to be done on this journey and I hope you remember and all that to take care of you because something I've realized recently is for myself like sometimes I think if I could go back and walk away the second I met my ex-boyfriend from 2015, would I? And part of me on some days when I'm feeling like I have a lot more work to be done, I feel weak, I say, hell yeah, I'd walk away. Like, I, that person broke me, they ruined me. I became so damaged irreparably from that relationship. And the other part of me, when I'm feeling like a badass bitch, which is rare, but it does happen from a higher self perspective, say absolutely not I wouldn't I wouldn't take any of that back even though that person I I don't even want to say he broke my heart because I feel like he ripped my heart from my chest lit it on fire threw it in the ocean put it in lock and key so that no one ever could get it again like it was his mission to make sure I would never love again because sometimes I feel like I'm not able to feel I'm not able to love I'm not able to give my boyfriend my heart because it's just shattered into a billion pieces beyond repair 
But then I think of the amazing things that happened, not in that relationship so much, but afterwards. I decided to write and publish three books. I found my purpose in my career. I knew what I wanted to do after that. I knew I wanted to work in domestic violence and sexual assault and abuse and do batters intervention programs and become a forensic psychologist. Like I knew that after meeting this person. Before I met him, I wanted to be a neuroscientist or a dietitian. <laughs> and my life changed. I got to go to Romania. I got to feel things I've never felt before. And I got to realize that I have so much courage in me that I didn't know was there. And I'm still getting better at it. I'm still working on my wounds and healing, and it might take some time. And there are a lot of things that came from that relationship that eh, I'd rather not deal with, like over-apologizing or freezing. I'll go over trauma responses in a moment. But I also realized that that was part of my life's path. That was my life's work, my karma, my dharma. My soul chose that lesson for me to learn. So if my my soul chose it, then I'm strong enough to overcome it and withstand it. Because I believe we all pick our life's paths and our the lessons we have to learn in this 3D physical human mortal existence. But wrapping up here, the other day I realized that going back to letting go, Part of the reason why I'm still connected to my abuser is part of the reason why I'm still connected to my rage. Rage. Jeez, I can't talk today. Yikes. That rage, that grief, that sorrow, that despair is all I have left of that time in my life. And by not surrendering this, I'm still connected to that person. I'm still connected to that time in my life where I was so traumatized, where I was so small. And forgiveness fully or fully releasing this would mean loss. It would mean losing part of my identity because I have a large part of who I am wrapped up in said years from 2015 to 2017. I always think of my life pre and post my abuse. And that's not a way. That's my fear. That's my ego holding on to clinging for dear life. These negative beliefs that I have learned about myself that became so wrapped up in who I think I was and who I think I'm worth, right? What I think I'm worth. And it doesn't serve me anymore. I'm working on, if I can't even forgive this person, I can forgive myself because the hardest person to forgive is ourselves and letting what happened to me happen, letting this person treat me that way. So if I can release anything, it could be these blocks, these areas where I stay stuck, if that makes sense what no longer serves me. Let those go. We can start there. Because in my current relationship with sweet Nick, I have this unconscious, somewhat conscious belief that I have to stay on guard because past vulnerability, when I love someone so fucking much, when I give them my all, when I love them more than myself, it leads to annihilation which is is true. We should never become a martyr for someone, right? But 
I have this unconscious commitment to never being duped again because I felt like I was fooled. I think of how great it was in the beginning. It was like literally, uh, I don't know, a fairy tale princess story on crack. And then I think of how bad it turned in a matter of days or overnight. And I felt completely fooled and stupid. And like I had the mat swept from under my feet. And I allowed my ex's words to imprint on me. He said, you will never be able to be loved again. No one will ever love you as much as I did. (laughs) And that really, that really stood with me. And I made that my truth. So now, present day, four years later, I sabotage the potential for out of this world love because I accepted I will never be loved as my truth. So I assume it's not even worth pursuing or investing in because love does not feel safe to me. And Nick and I went to couples therapy yesterday and I did not find it helpful whatsoever because, well, one, my lovely boyfriend talks a lot, which is the opposite of me. And I think that therapy, from my personal experience, has less to do with talking and more to do with listening, especially couples therapy. Because if one person is talking 90% of the session, the other person doesn't feel heard. And sometimes when my boyfriend talks a lot, I've never even said this to him. So if he's listening, hi, baby. Um, When someone talks a lot, especially as an HSP introvert, I feel attacked and I feel overwhelmed. I don't know if it's an energy thing. But mostly I feel unseen. And I noticed yesterday that the whole session, I was really not even listening. I wasn't paying attention because I didn't feel like I had a chance to not say what I was thinking, but process and digest what I was feeling because my boyfriend just kept talking. So it was like constant stimulation when I just had to kind of sit with what I was feeling. And I went into dissociation, I numb, and this is my trauma response. And we'll talk about this quick because I don't think I'm going to get into over-apologizing unless I want this to be like an hour-long podcast. How does your body respond when you perceive danger or threat? This is often known as a trauma response. It's the initial reaction that's triggered when there is a perception of or an actual threat, like an oncoming car or a growling dog. And scientifically speaking, because don't forget my friends, psychology is a science. Research has compiled evidence for different trauma responses that we tend to display in order to protect ourselves from the threat or perceived threat more so. And these responses are fight, flight, freeze, and fawn recently added. Survival mechanisms that help us react quickly to life-threatening situations. So when our brain perceives a threat, whether that is a shark in the ocean or our boyfriend talking the entire therapy session, (laughs) and I know he does this out of love because my boyfriend's very logical. He's a very fix-it, problem-solver type of person where I am not that way whatsoever. Anywho, we automatically will react with one of these trauma responses, sometimes more, depending on the factors of 
such individual differences in past experiences of trauma. So it's all a self-defense protective mechanism. And in saying so, it is possible for people to have an overactivation of their trauma responses like me. And what this means is that even in non-threatening situations, their trauma responses could be activated. And research shows that the overactivation of our trauma responses is associated with a decline in physical, psychological health, and chronic stress contributes to high blood pressure, burnout, decreased immunities, increases in mental health problems. So I want to further explore the responses and the associated thoughts and behaviors and helpful ways to cope with the overactivation of these trauma responses. So fight response, I do not have this response so much. I do have crying. I will cry a lot. Don't know if that's because I'm an empath or a cancer or maybe just an asshole sometimes, but fight, we learn this growing up often from our parents in childhood is to protect ourselves from threat through conflict. So I have always dated people like this. Not Nick though, he's the first, so I'm getting used to it. These are people that tend to fight um, because they believe that if they establish power over the threat, it results in securing control. And the response kind of feels like an adrenaline rush accompanied with a desire to defend yourself through fighting, yelling, or controlling others. And the thought behind this response is, I need to eliminate the threat before it eliminates me. So I can't really speak to this one too much because I don't personally experience this. But if that sounds familiar, you probably resonate with that one. The other one is flight. (laughs) I do this. Escape. Those that engage in flight cope with a threat by running or fleeing the situation. People engaging in this response report difficulties with relaxation or sitting, or they're constantly worrying or hiding or panicking when they feel threatened. And the thought behind this response is, I need to run from the situation before it can hurt me. This is, I would say, like my, I apologize for the phone ringing in the back. Normally I pick it up and put it down because it's telemarketers all day long, but my mama's home, so she's just going to let it ring. The next one is freeze because I do flight sometimes, but more so I'm fawn and freeze. So I really can't speak to that one either, but it's just all feeling trapped. The freeze response, we protect ourselves through dissociation. So when faced with a threatening situation, those that tend towards freeze respond unconsciously, they detach ourselves from the situation by spacing out, by leaving our bodies. The body can feel rigid and become immobilized by stress. And we do this to deal with perceived danger, but it results in tremendous difficulty in getting motivated or making decisions or communicating. And the thought behind this response is if I don't do anything, the threat cannot hurt me. Because I remember in my past relationship, we become... We learn behaviors and become conditioned through our past, right? Through our history, the way we were treated. My past relationship, my boyfriend was very explosive, very violent physically, verbally. And I would just leave my body because if I tried to speak up for myself, he would hurt me physically, sexually, something or threaten. So I learned that when I feel stuck in my body, When I freeze up, become numb, stiff, heavy, 
can't breathe, restrict my breathing, sense of dread, heart pounding, kind of like a bunny rabbit, right? Fight, flight, or freeze, the bunny tends to freeze and then they get fucking eaten. So that's my number one. The number two, um, newer to the field and not as researched, the last one here is full on. Um, kind of becoming placid, right? And this is what I wanted to get into, but I think I'm going to make a a segment number two for this podcast. It's going to have two sections because it's all connected. Those that tend to the fawn response, avoid or deal with conflict through people pleasing. It's my biggest talent, y'all. I don't know. I think I'm kind of like hand in hand with fawn and freeze. Maybe freeze is a little bit stronger, but fawn's definitely number two. So people like this experience difficulties in saying no and are afraid to share what they think or feel in fear of how others might perceive them. They also accommodate others' needs and ignore their own pathological accommodation because a thought of this response is, if I can appease this person, I'm safe from conflict or pain. So if you over-apologize, if you have a hard time saying no, you go out of your way to please others even though they fucking disappoint you, I've been dealing a lot with that the last year. You neglect your own needs and pretend to agree with others. Maybe you even have excessive flattery of the other person because you want them to like you. So no matter what your preferred method or response is, when our trauma responses are overactive, if you have CPTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, we are more likely to feel threatened by non-threatening stressors. And this is not good for our health, y'all. Stress is not bad. It's normal. But when it's constantly chronic and on overdrive, our body shuts down. That's why in 2016, I had so many health problems. I couldn't even drink water. I was nauseous every single day. I felt like shit for 365 days. (laughs) And then once I left the relationship, it's like all my health problems resolved for the most part. It's another episode for another day, but... Fortunately, there's ways to cope when your trauma responses are overactive. So we can learn relaxation techniques. I have to end this this episode right now because I am fumbling over my words like never before. Please forgive me. Oh God, no, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not apologizing. (laughs) Any hoodles, techniques like meditation, yoga, or deep abdominal breathing help us in counteracting stress and allow the body to enter into a calmer state. We can also engage in physical exercise, walking, going outside in nature, just engaging in any physical movement to promote calmness in the body. And this will increase endorphins, decrease stress hormones, and just make you feel good. But it has to be exercise that's fun for you. Not like CrossFit, unless you love CrossFit, but me, I'm more of a Zumba girl. Number three, seek social support. Get support from people around you to help you reduce these reactions to perceived threats. Um, And when we find someone that's a safe haven for us, like a therapist or a support group, we feel a sense of safety and protection, which helps us feel less fearful and more connected and less isolated. Lastly, wrapping up here, because I've got a minute left and I just talk and talk and talk and talk. We have to gain awareness of our triggers. When we are able to understand what triggers us, it leaves us in a better position to understand our responses, to create new, healthier coping strategies to deal with the threat or trigger. And lastly, most importantly, this is what I'm working on, practicing self-compassion. 
so important not to judge your response or feel ashamed of yourself or your past. Going back to self-forgiveness, recognize these responses at one point served our understanding of the best way to cope with a threat. So with an open mind, gain an understanding that your responses and your behaviors may not seem to always be useful in protecting us, but they did in the past. So have some empathy for yourself, y'all. That's the takeaway. I want to know, do you recognize yourself in any of these responses? Do you like these episodes catered more towards healing and trauma? I know a lot about trauma, not just from an educational perspective, but from a personal perspective. And I'm right there with you. I'm healing. I'm on the journey. I will do this path with you. Reach out to me. Let me know where you're at. I commend you for listening. I thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, rate, subscribe, and share. And I thank you and my heart goes out to you. Love you. Bye.